0: The Auckland City Council and the government are divided over the plan to build a rail tunnel under the city's downtown area. As Todd Nile has been finding out in this Radio New Zealand Insight programme, it's a project which is being touted as essential to firing up the central business district of the country's biggest city.
1: The biggest
2: rugby crowd in 60 years poured out of Auckland's Eden Park Stadium a month ago. Special trains were put on for the fans, but not everyone liked what they found.
1: We got out of the ground what, ten past nine, it's now ten past ten, so it's taken an hour to get to the station from Eden Park, so not good. This is not good. When you look at Sydney and Brisbane and what they've done in terms of transport, this is way behind where it should be.
2: Auckland had laid on its biggest ever public transport operation in a dress rehearsal for the Rugby World Cup, Despite the grumbles, moving 18,000 rail passengers within 70 minutes of the end of the game was deemed a success. It was also the ultimate test for Auckland's commuter rail system. But the one-night test pales in comparison to the challenges ahead. The country's biggest city and its increasingly popular trains will have to cope with an additional 1 million residents in the next 40 years.
0: Passengers travelling to Henderson, your 936 service, has a change of platform and we'll now board on platform 5. Change of platform
2: please. Trains from Auckland's three commuter lines converge here underground in the downtown Britomart station. There's just one line in and one line out. Patronage is rising, services are more frequent and a new fleet of electric trains is on the way. But in just two years the station's ability to move trains will peak. The answer for Britomart is also believed to be the catalyst needed to transform downtown Auckland and even the region's economy. And it would cost $2.4 billion.
3: We have imagined too long and waited too long. We will fix Auckland's transport system. We will build an inner-city loop.
2: When 10 months ago, Len Brown became the first mayor of a greater Auckland, he'd already staked his reputation on delivering the country's most costly single transport project. Mm. Trains entering Britomart would no longer backtrack out the way they came in, but continue into a 3.5 kilometre tunnel under the downtown area. They would pass through new underground stations at Aotea Square, Karangahapi Road and Newton, before linking up with the existing line at Mount Eden to head away from the city. Peter Clark, who headed the business case for Auckland Transport, says Britomart without the link will reach a ceiling of 20 trains an hour.
1: That means the capacity of Britomart in 2013-14 would be around about 16,000 people per hour and with the city rail link, by going to 30 trains an hour, that would be around about 24,000 people per hour. As it's a link and it goes through the city centre, that additional 8,000 people would be the equivalent of building a four-lane motorway through the heart of the city centre in terms of the just the capacity that it delivers to the city centre. So it's that additional capacity that will allow the city centre to grow economically. Auckland is likely to need the
2: government to part fund what would be the country's costliest single transport project. The council believes it as crucial to making Auckland a true world class city, attracting new talent, visitors, and businesses, and lifting both the city's and the country's economy. The problem at the moment is that the council and the government disagree significantly
3: on the benefits the city rail link will deliver. The Mayor, Len Brown. You need to really move people, mass transit through uh, public transport. We see that in Melbourne. I saw that in Melbourne. I saw that in Sydney and Brisbane. We're competing against those Australian cities for economic growth to attract new businesses, to attract the creative sector, and they're not going to come here unless they see a true international class city that gives them options to move around in, gives their employees options to move around in, and it's just not about roads. You can move public transport in a mass way with pace. And we're not there. The
4: Minister of Transport, Stephen Joyce. The benefits are not proven at this point for the costs, and, and, and I think we all do need to understand that despite the fact that anybody can throw a billion dollars here and two billion dollars there, and you know the numbers seem to not be that big, but $2.4 billion... For a single transport project, so that's roughly double the size of the Waterview project which has
2: just been announced, just a little less than double. Uh, it needs to have some pretty massive benefits. Just how big the benefits are depends on who you believe. For example, Auckland Council says the tunnel and a package of other changes would take 8,600 city-bound cars off the road each morning. Nearly 30,000 additional passengers would ride the trains. The project would trigger a transformation of downtown Auckland, boosting jobs and inner-city living and development, benefits it values at $1.3 billion. A government review of that business case disagreed. It argued the economic benefits would be only a quarter of those claimed by the council, and the number of cars would reduce by only one-fifth of the local estimate. Stephen Joyce is openly sceptical about the Auckland numbers. The government's figures are using
4: the council's own transport models. And uh, by putting in the same input numbers and actually using the models as they've been constructed, sadly the results that the council has been getting has been from tweaking the models in a different way than what they ever have previously. And that, that brings understandable cynicism when you when you sort of see
2: somebody going, oh, this is a fantastic project, and if we just tweak this and we tweak this, it just does better than you think. So who, if anyone, is right? Ken Tremaine is a planning consultant who's worked in both central and local government.
3: I don't think either side's right or wrong, and I certainly don't want to sit on the fence here But I think what the government is doing is looking at this project really from a quite a narrow transport benefits point of view. I mean, will it speed up travel? Will it take more cars off the road? Will it uh, reduce the accident rates, etc.? They've got a, a transport economy focus, whereas I think the Auckland Council is looking at this project from the point of view of using it, to encourage renewal and greater investment in the future in the downtown of Auckland. So they've got completely different starting points, in my view.
2: To understand those differences and how they might be resolved, it's important to understand what's going on behind the numbers. Let's start at the end. After all the number crunching, the value of any government-funded major project is calculated in its benefit-cost ratio, or BCR. Auckland Council puts the BCR at 1.1%, meaning that for every dollar spent, there would be $1.10 of benefits. However, the government says for every dollar spent, there would be only $0.40 in benefits. A key part of that calculation is a thing called the discount rate, which measures the benefits out into the future. The rate which Treasury applies to transport projects is 8%, which effectively wipes out benefits that occur after 20 or 30 years. The Chief Economist at the Bureau of Economic Research, Dr Ganesh Nana, says that
5: rate works against big infrastructure projects. It is a political decision because effectively a a higher discount rate means that benefits now are valued a lot more than benefits in the future and that suits the political process quite clearly because it does skew investment projects towards those that have a short-term horizon or that deliver benefits quickly. And... In my opinion, that does um, screw the scrum. It means that those infrastructure projects that are going to drip-feed benefits um, well into the distant future uh, start from behind the starting line.
2: If a lower discount rate of 4% was applied, Auckland Council says the longer-term benefits would equate to $2.40 for every dollar spent. But the critical debate is over just what benefits should be included. The buzz phrase is wider economic benefits – And proponents of the city rail link point to another big Auckland project finished 52 years ago to reinforce their case.
6: It's a terrific occasion, this. It's an historical moment, definitely historical, when one thinks that by a curious coincidence, it's a matter of 100 years since Aucklanders first thought of having a bridge and when they first planned it, the position coincided with the realisation of our dreams today.
1: As Her Majesty's representative, I declare the Auckland Harbour Bridge officially open. May God bless all those
4: who will, in the years to come, use this bridge on their lawful occasion.
6: And there the cars go. The vice-regal car first, Sir John Allen second, and uh, they're followed in sequence by one or two others of cars which wish to join in the, in the inaugural procession.
2: Auckland's harbour bridge was built as a transport link across the Waitemata harbour. No one expected it to trigger the explosion and development on the North Shore that would attract a population bigger than Hamilton's.
7: But just at the moment now, I can see the vice car... Crossing we're, we're standing at the corner of uh, Wellesley's, there's a junction Merrill Drive, Wellesley Street, West and also Albert Street and at the moment it's a a very much a car dominated wide uh, streets Uh, pedestrians are very much marginalised to the the edges of the street
2: Ludo Campbell-Reed is Auckland Council's so-called urban design champion we're opposite the site of one of three proposed downtown stations transformation of downtown Auckland especially in areas such as this is a big part of the council's case for the rail link
7: transformation means, in a way, change, dramatic change in a short period of time. Um, it would take 20 or 30 years for for Auckland's city centre to make the investment without the city rail link. We can't actually wait that long. And without the investment in the city rail link, um, you won't get the intensification because people gravitate towards stations. They don't gravitate towards bus stations and, and motorways. They gravitate towards trams, um, underground systems. London built its underground system um, when its population was one million. It, it took foresight of those, of those planners, those transport planners, to say, we're going to grow and we need to get ready for that.
2: Intensification, having more inner city workers and residents close to rail lines, is a key part of Auckland Council's ambitions to boost the region's economy. Compact growth, not sprawl, is the new mantra. There's another new word, agglomeration, effectively a further economic boost from having high-value, highly skilled workers and businesses located close to each other. A business commentator, Rod Oram, says the Auckland Council and the government's agencies are calculating any spin-offs from the Rail Link project differently.
6: The transport agency is using a simpler, older version than the Auckland Council is doing. So Auckland Council is trying to use a a more up-to-date version, which tries to factor in those agglomeration benefits and that greater density um, and the economic impact that has. Um, I think the agency is wrong to focus so narrowly, Um, because this sort of infrastructure investment is a very powerful shaper of urban form and therefore the sort of activity that takes place, and therefore that analysis um, absolutely has to take account of those wider effects, which is what the council analysis is doing. Identifying the wider impact
2: of a project like the rail link and then trying to measure its economic value is an evolving science internationally. Chris Money is a director of Chartered Accountants, PricewaterhouseCoopers, which pulled together the business case for Auckland Council. He
7: says a United Kingdom study has offered a new insight. The Eddington Transport Study was really a a cutting-edge study into uh, national transport impacts that was undertaken in the UK. It's led a lot of the thinking, certainly in New Zealand and Australia, uh, recently about wider economic benefits and, and how they should be Brought into the the conventional kind of transport uh, economic evaluation that we do at the moment. For example, they assess that. About 15%, 15 to 20% of total benefits in terms of things that they could actually uh, count in terms of wider economic benefits weren't currently being counted in the way that transport modelers were were traditionally doing their jobs. So um, particularly in urban networks, once they counted some of those issues, you, you actually saw much higher benefit cost ratios coming in as a result of those considerations.
2: An example of how a broader view on economic benefits can affect viability can be seen in London. There, a $30 billion project is underway to build a high-speed rail line across and under London, the East-West Crossrail Project. Calculating just the transport benefits gave it a benefit-cost ratio of 1.8, not enough to get the green light. But successfully arguing tax and economic spin-offs of up to $120 billion more than doubled the benefit ratio and secured government funding. But in Auckland there's also a chicken and egg debate underway. Does the rail link generate the necessary intensification or should the first be intensification to justify the rail link? The Transport Minister Stephen Joyce believes the latter. The thing about these um, high-density rail networks is they do require
4: large populations. So people who look at Tokyo or New York or London and say, gosh, it would be great to have that in Auckland, well, the reason that that works in those cities is because of the very concentrated density of the population in those cities. So before you do that, you have to decide whether that's actually what you want. Because you actually have the current density of population in Auckland,
2: then those things will never be a success.
0: I don't think that's necessarily the right way of thinking about this.
2: Jenny Dixon is a professor of planning at the University of Auckland.
0: There's no question that once you get this rail loop in, it's going to absolutely stimulate demand. I mean, for example, you could look at Newton as an urban village, and that area would be very well positioned for people to move into town, but also other parts of the city. And you could look at perhaps, say, locating something like 20,000 people there. So... I think what you'd find is that the investment would lead to uh, further intensification and further business opportunities, further investment by business.
2: Paul Mees is a senior lecturer on public transport at Melbourne's RMIT University. He says Auckland's had very car-centric transport policies for decades, and waiting for more intensification would be wrong.
1: That was the argument that was made in 1955 in the original motorway plan uh, for Auckland. And if after 56 years of waiting, uh, Auckland still needs to wait for rail, then I think people are entitled to ask whether it'll ever get it. But the basic problem with that argument is that it's just factually unsound. Uh, Perth has spent the last 20 years constructing a rail system more extensive than the one that's proposed for Auckland and yet Perth's urban density is barely half as high as Auckland's and in the inner city areas of Perth the density is probably less than half as high as Auckland's. So uh, There are places that are much sprawlier and much more suburban than Auckland that have been able to make high-quality public transport successful.
2: There are also important detail differences in the way the Government and Auckland Council have assessed factors which might favour a city rail link. The future price for motorists parking all day in downtown Auckland was one. The Government believes that in 30 years, the average price in today's terms will be $16 a day. Auckland Council believes it will be double that. Many of Auckland's big car parking areas are vacant lots awaiting a better climate for property development. Peter Clark at Auckland Transport led the preparation of the business case and says one of those car parks is already charging $16
1: a day. Cases of development throughout the city centre on open spaces currently taken up by parking would both increase the demand for parking as development take place and remove cheap off-street open parking. So there'd be natural forces at play which would increase the price of parking. Um, but also from the Auckland Council perspective through the, the Auckland plan has signalled the intention to look at pricing mechanisms both to raise revenue for these significant projects and also to manage demand and those would also play a, a role. So we looked at a higher price of parking and it went up to about $32 a day by 2041 in real terms and that it also had a significant impact on, on rail patronage. So should political
2: alarm bells be ringing? Len Brown won the Auckland Mayoralty, the country's biggest directly elected office, campaigning on a platform which included delivering the city rail link. Some perceive the government to be throwing a wet blanket over it. With the general election just ten weeks away, a business commentator, Rod Oram, says the government
6: needs to pay greater attention. I think it has the great potential to turn into a terrific political issue that the government should take very seriously because it's very hard to find um, many people in Auckland who are adamantly opposed to investment um, and investment soon, not later, in this rail loop. And if the government continues to stonewall in the way it is, um, it will become an, an election issue and it's one that will cross um, political boundaries. And um, at that point, the government should be really worried about how much support it will be losing um, in the Auckland region.
1: Oh, kia
0: ora, koutou, everyone, and uh, welcome, and thank you for coming uh, out this evening for uh, what is, I believe, the inaugural meeting of the um, Auckland Labour Environment Network. And today we have got a meeting which is primarily going to focus on transport, and what a critical issue this is.
5: I know there will
2: be labour a lot list of MP and Auckland Central candidate Jacinda Ardern not opening not a meeting of several uh, dozen party faithful. Transport Fellow transport Labour Central MP Phil Twyford believes the city rail link is on Auckland's voters' minds.
7: The city rail link, the Auckland rail link, I think has become a real litmus test of transport policy. Aucklanders want a
2: world-class transport system. Mr Twyford says Labour will have a policy on it and the link is something he believes will affect voting.
7: I think it is because uh, Aucklanders were um, resounding in the mandate they gave Len Brown for the kind of Auckland they want. Transport's at the heart of that vision, and I think people are realising that they're not going to get that transport uh, system for Auckland unless they've got a sympathetic government in Wellington.
2: The ACT Party must retain the wealthy Auckland electorate of Epsom to be sure of staying in Parliament. It's given that job to the former Auckland City Mayor, John Banks, who last year lost out to Len Brown in the race for the regional mayoralty. Mr Banks says while it doesn't figure on the campaign trail... He is supporting the project. A city
1: rail loop is critical to making the present investment in integrated public transport around Auckland City as a hub is critical and I think we should keep the momentum around that and that dream alive.
2: Kaye is the National MP for Auckland Central and is backing the city rail link at some point in the future but says it's not a big item for those she meets.
0: Not specifically the CBD rail link, but reducing congestion and better public transport is definitely something
6: that people are talking about.
2: A sentiment echoed by the Minister of Transport, Stephen Joyce. I don't think
4: it's a massively significant one for this year because the reality is that the investments that we're making now will achieve, according to everybody's models, a very significant step change in transport performance in Auckland by about 2015 and that that will continue for another five years beyond that, Uh, then at 2021, it starts to get more congested again. So these projects are about the period sort of 2021 onwards, and that includes CBD railings and tunnels across the harbour and all that sort of stuff. So there's time for that debate to occur, and I think most people would say, well, yeah, it's important to get the debate right. Otherwise, um, you know, we could rush in and make some silly decisions, in which
2: case, you know, in the next election, we'll throw all you lot out. But Len Brown isn't planning to use the election to
3: play off parties against each other. My interaction with Parliament is with the whole of Parliament. My door is open to everyone of all political persuasions, as it has to be and must be, as the Mayor of Auckland. Uh, And so um, I will stay well out of uh, this election campaign and let parties of Parliament do what they need to do. Uh, But I'll be encouraging the parties in the campaign... Uh, to be clear about how they see Auckland going forward, and I look forward to seeing their platforms around it.
2: Behind the initial public differences between Auckland Council and the Government, some feel that the gap will close. When it comes to measuring broader economic benefits, the Government's Transport Agency appears open to change. It's commissioning six research projects looking at new ways of assessing the economic benefits of major transport projects, such as the City Rail Link. In the meantime, Auckland Mayor Len Brown says dozens of senior staff at Auckland Council and its subsidiary Auckland Transport are now working on the plan.
3: We're into it, and uh, we have approved uh, process for designations and the process into resource consent, so we've got a two-year work programme that we're into now. Government supports that. We will uh, ostensibly require transport agency Auckland Transport to start buying land once designation has been determined. So we've got plenty of work to go. Auckland also has to prepare a
2: new business case to secure considerable government funding. The region has 12 to 18 months to persuade the government to back the project, which it sees as crucial to lifting Auckland's economic performance. Dr Ganesh Nana from the Bureau of Economic Research
5: says it will be a test of thinking. It's not going to be... a an argument that's going to be solved by the numbers alone. If we go by the numbers alone, then unfortunately then not much would ever get built here in New Zealand. It's got to do with your actual, and I hate to use the word, but I don't know a better word, but what is your vision for Auckland? What do you actually see happening in Auckland over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years? Because then that drives your decisions about what you need to put in place today. Otherwise, you're going to be driven by a very narrow perspective, which is what investments are going to give us benefits over the next 10 years. And if they don't give us benefits over the next 10 years, then for all intents and purposes, they're probably not going to feature. And if you adopt that framework, then unfortunately, there is going to be a very limited list of uh, projects that are going to go ahead, which um, leave you with a structure for Auckland or even New Zealand that is going to be reactive rather than proactive.
2: Planning Professor Jenny Dixon believes the issues have to be tackled.
5: Auckland
0: has to think big, it has to think long term and we need some serious investment in transport infrastructure if we're really to achieve the aspirations for Auckland as a global city. This is important not only for Auckland's economic future but also New Zealand's economic future.
2: The Minister of Transport, Stephen Joyce, says the government will do the right thing. The key thing is what's
4: going to work. I mean, there's no reluctance from central government to write checks. I mean, the evidence is all around us. We're doing massive amounts. So right at the moment, Victoria Park, Newmarket, just finished the Hobsonville uh, deviation, Waterview, electrification of Auckland Rail, the investment in the new trains, the double tracking to the Western, you know, the Western Line. All those things are happening. So it's not a case of the government's not prepared to spend the money. The government understands that we're going to, we're going to need to continually improve Auckland's transport network. What the government doesn't want to do is, build some things, and then people come back after and say, it didn't change anything. What were you guys
2: thinking? And Auckland's Mayor, Len Brown, is confident the City Rail Link will happen on time.
3: We've got clogged roads already. It's not a leap of faith. It's a response to that. People uh, have voted for me and my commitment to unclog our roads and invest in public transport because of what they've been experiencing for the last 50, 60, 70 years. What we've done is not it. If we just want to look back, we can see that the answers have not been the right answers. Um, so I'm not only looking forward and anticipating the extra million people are going to be in Auckland over the next 30 years, and we've got to invest now to deal with that coming at us, but I'm looking backwards on behalf of all Aucklanders saying what we have did was not right and has not achieved the answers. And uh, for God's sake, let's reconfigure ourselves and transform Auckland to deal with the challenge we have now and to look forward.
0: That Radio New Zealand Insight was written and presented by Todd Nile. It was produced by Philip Attali.